All right, I'm at the Red House with Jack Marion, and uh, thanks for making it over while you're in town to play at Gas Hill. Oh, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Or thanks for having me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you cruise outside, so like tell me about ball. yeah throwing baseball around. Tell me about this crew and how you guys uh, formed. So um, I've had a group with me for about five years. Uh, started the band when I went to App State in Boone. Um, kind of started songwriting, just kind of here and there. It's something I've kind of always done. And then I had all these songs that I wrote in my like freshman and sophomore dorm. And I was like, well, I'd really like to get out and play more. So I met a couple guys uh, through the music school up there and just kind of here and there. And um, actually had a band that I ran around with for about five years. It's about the same lineup. And here recently, things have kind of dispersed um you know we've had some guys go separate ways and guys kind of figure out they want to do the the road dog thing 24 7 which is totally understandable but um the guys i'm playing with now are just guys i've met in nashville and um nick lawrence is from johnson city he's just a great picker that i've kind of picked up here recently but as far as like the main dudes um we've done it all the way through boone and then moved to Asheville together and kind of done that here the last year or two a uh, little bit of a lineup change but just the way things go mm -hmm. that's how it goes at i don't know where to begin there's a lot of things that we'll probably try to hint like okay. try to cover in our time talking uh one thing that we were talking about kind of before before we before we got on the podcast just as we were kind of starting to get to know each other was what it's like to be working in Asheville, i guess yeah, it's um so I've done I've done the Boone scene. Um I did Nashville for a little while and then did went down to Austin too, but Asheville is just this complete different beast hmm. of its own. Um it's a really cool music city and it's nice when you're a touring band and you're trying to get out and play like uh bigger cities like Atlanta or Knoxville or heck even going up into Kentucky and stuff like that. It's so central. Um, but there is like a pretty solid, nice music community there. I will say a lot of it feels a little gate kept, but, um, it all just depends on who, you know, like all this stuff is kind of, yeah. From the outsider perspective, from somebody who lives in the Winston area, looking mm -hmm. at Asheville and working with an agent who represents lots of bands that tries to work in Asheville, Asheville is harder than a lot of places. It is. It definitely is. Um, it feels like there's such a concentration of musicians there mm. that literally you could walk around on the street and ask somebody if they have a band and they're going to be like, yeah, I do. And so like there's so much in there and there's obviously like a limited amount of gigs, but there are a lot of places that'll play, but it does feel like uh, it's a little bit harder to kind of get into some of those spots. That's what it feels like from the outside. It's like, it's, I understand a denser area having more local musicians and it's kind of mm. like if i go play new york or something it's like they don't need me in new york right so i get it but new york has a lot of options and there's there's whatever but in Asheville, what i from from the outsider's perspective i'm not i don't think i'm i was i don't think i'm aware of as many opportunities for other people who aren't from the area they're there and i think um you know I always wanted to go into Asheville when I was like living in Boone. Like I always knew it was a spot to hit. Yeah. And I, like I've told people before, we've played every small bar from Asheville to Wilmington, like in, in between and really like hit it hard, but um, kind of breaking in there really what the first place that really like took hold of us was the gray Eagle there, mm. um, which was super nice. They were always like very willing to give us opening spots and that's kind of how we kind of got our foot in the door. But you know, a lot of it is, is brewery gigs. Um, you know, there are like the spots in town where you can sell tickets, but 
a lot of what you'll find is, you know, jam bands or, um, these like three hour long shows. And that's not really like kind of what the stuff I'm trying to do now. It's more trying to find those 90 minute slots or hour slots where I can play like my own stuff and not have to cover John Cougar Mellencamp or (laughs) or no, no disrespect to them, obviously like, but, uh, yeah, just trying to find more spots that are more accommodating for like getting to play my own stuff is really massive right now. And there are those spots in Nashville. Um, like I said, the gray Eagle has been one of the better ones. Um, we found a really cool bar, that's on Hendersonville Road called Shiloh Gaines. That's kind of had us back a couple of times. So it's really more about like, it's really about finding your pocket in Nashville. Um, and once you kind of start getting your foot in the door and kind of gaining some ground, those other opportunities come along. But really for us, um, we don't tend to stay too much in the city. We tend to go out more um, and hit, you know, Winston or, We've been going to Kentucky a whole lot recently and just anywhere in the southeast that'll have us so far. I imagine you're in a really good spot because, you know, Nashville's a little bit closer. Kentucky's a little bit closer than, yeah. than like, here. You know? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, it's nice that we can drive three hours to Atlanta and play a show for tickets and then obviously drive, like, the same night back. And it's also nice that, like, you know, we found this really cool spot in Kentucky that we've played quite a bit and – you know, it's only four hours away, um, but there's just good routes all throughout Asheville because you can hit 26 and get to 81 and go all the way through Virginia. You can hit 40 and play the entire state of North Carolina if you want to or go out into Tennessee. Um, so for that alone, where like it's central to all these different hot spots for especially our style of music, like it helps out definitely being in that like location. Well, so let's get to talking about your style of music, your music <laughs> in general. Uh some music. I'll, I'll 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 just start our conversation uh, the same way that I do for I guess most people. Even though I really hate doing that, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. it's just going to be how we start. So, where did it all start for you? Like, where did, where was your origin? Um, so I grew up in Ararat, North Carolina. Uh, it was a cold February day. Uh, it snowed. I remember coming out and really. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I always like going a long soliloquy about it. Like by the time I was three, I had to kill my favorite pig, Winkers. <laughs> it, was a, it was a cold February. Um, <laughs> no, I, I grew up in this small town um, called Ararat, North Carolina, um, really close to Mount Airy. And my whole family was musical. Um, you know, growing up, we would always sing in church. My brother is a musician. My sister is a NYU grad and writing a, a playwright right now. Wow. Um, my uncle was a musician um, who toured North, e- or North America for a long time. He was in a packing band with Freddie Fender and did his own stuff in his own right. And so I just grew up in a very musical family. And from a very early age, it was like, okay, the church needs somebody to sing on this Sunday. Like, we're all going to learn down to the river to pray. It was a very much like a sound of music type thing where we were all like just singing together. But, um, you know, in kind of high school, um, I learned guitar from an early age, been really steeped in like bluegrass music and uh, country music and kind of got away from that for a little bit when I was in high school and was more towards like pop and rock and blues music. And then um, I remember when Jason Isbell's Something More Than Free came out and it was one of the first records I'd kind of like turned back to and found my love for like country music again. Mm. And then um, I can remember too, my brother mentioning, he's like, you should check out this band, American Aquarium. I think you'd really like them and starting on their Wolves record. Um, and so I got into college and like I was, 
I was kind of thinking about this idea. Like I'd played some out in high school, but it had never been anything original. It always been just like a gig here and there with a buddy and doing duo gigs and playing covers. And then, um, got into college and like bought a notebook one day, freshman year was waiting on the bus and just started writing stuff down and slowly, but surely it, um, kind of progressed a little bit more and really the moment where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do is, um, I saw American Aquarium in Greensboro at the blind tiger. And I remember I went, I made this dude from my freshman English class go with me cause I didn't have anybody else. I was like, I, I don't want to go by myself. If you'll come with me, it'd be a killer time. Like I promise he'd never heard the music. I was like, dude, I promise they're a killer band, which is something awful to do to somebody if they don't, if they don't really know anything about it. <laughs> and, um, I just remember going and being in that room and there being like 40 to 60 people that knew every single word to every song that like BJ was playing. And for me, he kept saying, he was like, I'm just from, um, oh, where is it? Reedsville. He's like, I'm just from Reedsville, North Carolina. And I thought, well, shit, like I know where Reedsville is. That's mm-hmm. not that far from where I live. And that's really not that much bigger of a town than like I grew up in. And just seeing that room full of people like, sing his words back to him that was a moment i was like this is something that i really want to try and emulate and do myself and i i remember talking to him after the gig too and just like a dumb 19 year old kid like going up and be like pj how do you how do you do this and he was like you just have to go out and do it and ever since that moment like i've just been out doing Mm it um yeah just started booking whatever show i could get at whatever bar wherever it was like not even looking to see like if they had a sound system or like not even worrying about pay or anything, just going out and taking two cars and making long drives all across the state. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild dream for the most part. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's evolved into this, into this thing later on that, um, a little bit of me feels like I've taken it this far. Like I can't stop. And it also still having that, like, fire and desire that I had when I was really like young and you know kind of not really sure what it was going to be but like still wanting to figure out how to get to that spot where it is the room full of people singing along like that's the ultimate goal for me and always has been I love it and I and I like that you know I like that it's BJ and that it's American Aquarium that kind of uh like a local source I guess to yeah. the to the well you know well like growing up like never the only local bands i knew were bluegrass bands Mm. and so like i never really knew a lot of musicians from my area that like made it anywhere further than like the local bar down the street or the fiddlers convention every once in a while and so like seeing someone that was local and kind of had a similar upbringing as me do it to such like a scale that he was doing it like he at that point he was playing like 200 shows a year which is insane when you think about it like nowadays we're lucky if we play 50 shows a year. And if we do that, like we're exhausted by the end of it. We're like, man, how do we (laughs) like just drained and everything. But, um, yeah, I think taking that pride and like where you're from was a big thing for me starting out, um, and kind of finding the finding like the joy and like representing my state and also the voices of like, and the people that I came from and like being able to represent them, Mm both in song and like as an individual was like super important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's another sentiment that, uh, I guess uh, I'm like, I guess, I guess people who like musicians probably share and probably notice or whatever. But for me, I've always, 
I've always like one of the first things I look up about a great artist is what state they're from yeah. and like how they represent. Cause, cause it says something about sort of the tradition that they're rooted to, you know, artistically. Definitely. Um, and you know, for me, like Mount Airy is very much known for like it's old time music and bluegrass. And if you listen to the stuff that I write and the stuff that I put out, you wouldn't really see it or hear it. Mm. But taking that like drive aspect from bluegrass music and trying to put it to more of a rock country sound. And even nowadays, like I've kind of gone back to that writing style a little bit more and like gone back to the roots of it all um, and finding a lot of joy in it and like a lot of comfort in it too. Um, but also with the same fact, like kind of in the same vein as like American Aquarium or Sunvolt, which is another one of my favorite bands, um, not being afraid to like take chances and go like a slightly different direction um even if it's just a chord thrown in there that still has the base of like what you grew up in but is a, something new and something like fresh yeah absolutely yeah. man another thing that stands out about what you just you know kind of a, a lot of what you just said is this transition that took place when you bought a notebook and started writing stuff down in it and that I've realized just from talking to from talking to Chris, from talking to other uh, musicians, the decision, the bold decision to start writing words down mm -hmm. is like a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I I had written stuff when I was really young and never taken it serious. What kind of stuff? Just just I mean, songs, just like okay. little, little ditties that like I came up when I was like 12 years old or 13. And like to me, there was no idea of like you could be a songwriter. Like, it was just, you wrote a song, and that was cute. Like, you showed it to your aunt, and she was like, that's such a good one. Like, I'm going to put that on the fridge. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't know what, I really don't know, like, what made me do it. I don't know what shifted in me. Um, I just felt like I had these, like, internal, I always, like, would come up with songs in my head and, like, had this internal voice that I needed to let out. And it's been years of trying to, be able to like call myself a songwriter because for a long time I wouldn't do it mm. uh, even though I'd had like records out or had written a bunch of stuff like I wouldn't associate myself with a songwriter I would associate myself with like a band leader uh, not even necessarily like a musician like just it, it took a while for me to finally kind of take a step back and look and be like okay well like this is a skill that you actually have and probably if I'm being completely honest one of the only things I'm actually like good at in life like I can stand on my two feet and be like I am a good songwriter and I know it um, not just from me telling myself that, but from outside sources and validation that way. But um, yeah, that first step, like the songs were terrible. Oh yeah. They weren't good. Like it, it was not even knowing like how to write the form or like how to, you know, put certain chords to get a certain mood behind it. It was literally just writing just to write and over the years, like I've taken a much more disciplined like approach to it and found it really as like a craft and an art that I, I work on continuously and try to work on continuously um, because it really is like it's my escape from everything. At the end of the day, when I feel lazy, I haven't done anything but lay around the house and eat like a whole bag of, you know, cool ranch Doritos <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, I just I, I when I feel like I haven't done anything all day long. I know that I can at least go to a guitar and pick it up and play some chords and maybe an idea comes out. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but 
at least just having the intention of that being there is like just such a safe space for me. And two, like I know people talk about this all the time, but um, not forcing it has been such a thing that I've learned over the years mm-hmm. too. Like letting it come, trying to still capture the inspiration in a certain moment, but like let it, it, it really does feel like the spiritual thing now where like I'll just be nodding along about my day and all of a sudden something will pop in my head and I'll be like, you know what? Like that, that should be a song. And then just immediately go into the zone of just, I like, I have to do it. Like I know it drives my girlfriend crazy, but we'll be sitting around the house and she'll just know that like I'm in this moment. I can't break it. If I break it, if I break that connection to whatever it is, like it's, it'll just be gone or it won't be what it could be. And so she'll just let me be. And she'll, she just knows like, even if she has stuff she needs me to do, like she won't, which is great. Like, I really appreciate that she does that for me. And, uh, yeah, it's just this, it's this otherworldly thing. It evolved into that. It wasn't at that initially, but once I got deeper in and started really like studying it and being more intentional about it, it became this much deeper connection and like spiritual connection almost. Mm. I love it. I, in that Rick Rubin book that we were talking about a little bit, mm. I believe he tells a story in there of, of an artist whose name I actually escapes me. I don't, and it wasn't somebody I was necessarily all that familiar with. Mm-hmm but talked about a very similar practice about even if it was dinner time with the family, when that struck, he just had to go to his office and write and there was no, no debate about it. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's just like, it, it's this feeling of it's this fragile thing and it really is like a magic trick. Like you're turning nothing into something in that moment. Like it just comes out of nowhere and there's mm-hmm. no real way to like explain it. There could be inspiration from any source. Like, a lot of times I try to be like an active listener and like hear what people say. And sometimes it'll be just a phrase trying to read and like figure out, um, some type of inspiration for that movies, you know, TV shows. It could be anything. It could be singing just a bumblebee on a flower one day or something like that. But when that moment comes, just pushing everything else aside and being like, this is like it's it's one of these moments of clarity that like people rarely have in the world for me and it's like everything else the world goes from feeling as big as it is to just being as small as that notebook and that pen and that cup of coffee for me and I just know that I have to give it the attention it deserves mm-hmm. um and that's that's a huge thing for me now I love that and so that I feel like answers a que- that starts to answer one question I had which is understanding the discipline that you're referring to about how to approach it or, or the discipline you practice with it. Is that, is that an example of the discipline with which you practice songwriting? And are there other examples, I guess, that come to mind? Yeah. So like starting out, it was very much just put down whatever came to mind. Um, you know, 15 minute rights, like it would be 15 minutes rights and that would be done. No edits, nothing like that. Mm. And all the songs that you can hear like early on from my early stuff, you can tell like, I was I listen even listening to him now how young of a writer I was and like inexperienced in it and a lot of it was just trying to copy like other writers I'd learned to love and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily it's um, a common it, starting it is, point you have to have someone that you really cherish a writing style and like want to emulate a little bit I yeah. think everybody does it um, if they don't they're like lying to you pretty much but over the years like. I read that great book by um, Jeff Tweedy, like how to write one song more recently. And that kind of helped me fall back in love with it. But um, just getting, knowing what the routine is. And he talks about in that book, like 
not waiting for inspiration, but trying to find a moment where you can kind of cause, like get the ball rolling a little bit. So for me, it's always early morning or it's in the shower mm-hmm. when a lot of stuff starts. Um, and I know like I'll take time out and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to write. I don't know for how long it might be 15 minutes. It might be two hours. Um, but I'm going to write. And so I'll sit down with an open notebook. I'll make myself a cup of coffee. I don't know why coffee feels like one of the switches that flips, but it just is. And, um, I'll just sit there and come up with ideas, go over old lines, like whatever and work on it. Um, I think that's definitely become more of a discipline thing for me than also like the editing process of it, like making sure the words are right and exactly what you want to say and not just picking the same old thing over and over again, but making sure like almost every word is intentional. Um, because those songs that you find where every word is intentional and they bring this whole message together, those are the best to me and like some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my favorite writers do that to very, like to a T, like very well. Hmm. I want to ask about observation, about being on the receiving end of yeah. inspiration and stuff. And I'm wondering, Chris and I talked a little bit about this. I've talked to many songwriters about this. But I wonder if you can illuminate any of the, your understanding of the state of mind, of what it means, what it is, why you, not necessarily why, but how, maybe how is a better uh, question to ask about how you practice an ability, I guess, to take in your surroundings, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Because um, a lot of people, by the way, just it seems as though a lot of the effort is to <laughs> block out your surroundings. Yeah, I think... Um, just being able to listen. I, one of the biggest keys for me is always making sure like whatever I write about is based in some aspect of either my life or someone else's life. That's mm-hmm. like a, like a truer story. Or even if it's a made up story and a made up line, there's some semblance to like real life. And so always for me, like when I'm out in a crowd, I'm listening to what people are saying. Um, and listening to stories from other people too is a major thing too. Like I wrote a song recently, um, about this guy that grew up in Surrey County. He was tight with his money. He was so tight with his money that he dropped a pencil in a tobacco field one time and walked like two miles of fields just to find it. Like he would tie his, his glasses on his eyes when they broke. Um, and when he died, there was a hole in his coffee pot is what they found at his house so nobody could make like too much coffee. <laughs> and that's just, that's like a story that I've heard for so long and like I, I could not tell you the dude's name, but I heard that, and for me, I was like, "Well, that is so perfect. Like, how do I make it a song with like, like, how do I just like take this old family story that I've heard for years and put it to lyrics and put it behind music because it's so interesting, like, and still do it justice too of like how incredibly odd that story is." Um, but for me, it's just like observing everything like especially people's interactions people um you know books not as much like I, w- I will say like not as much inspiration comes from books as far as like the observation part but through reading like it opens up that other avenue of creativity because mm-hmm. you have to obviously you're imagining the scenes get a lot of pretty language from books um depending on the books you're reading and, and that's that if i ever find myself in a rut i'm like okay i need to go and read like i need to read something which is a lot of times it takes me <laughs> two months to get through a whole book, but um, 
you know, it's, it's something that opens that other lane of creativity and allows different language too to come in. Okay. So let me ask you this, if I can figure out how to phrase it correctly. With something like that guy from Surrey County, mm-hmm. maybe this is where the why question comes in. What is it about a unique life, a unique character, and somebody with odd traits? What is it about that that draws you in so much compared to like just dreaming that guy up? But I don't the, know. You it's, know what I mean? It, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Well, I think I think part of it is that it's such a it's it's a it's a story about someone from my like home area that like has if it could have been made into a movie it probably would have been or or like a TV show, but like it's a story that just only gets told within my family confines and it's such a funny story that I was like there's got to be some other life to it or try to give it another life, and it's I just find people like that interesting like I just find, you know I grew up in a very rural like tobacco farming place but there's so many interesting people that live in that spot and people don't see that all the time they just see us as simple folks that you know go and work monday through friday and then come home and go to church on sunday and that's it but there's so many other aspects to people's lives that you just never know about unless you hear these stories that are like passed down um and for me like trying to give attention to those stories is like really important um especially on like this new record that we've got and we've been working on i have a song called doc southern um lane which is written about the connection to the past that i still have with these people that have come before me and i've always been really interested in um like knowing these people but not knowing them if that makes sense Mm. like these people like for example my great uh I guess it would be my great grandfather Doc Southern was a man that I've never met in my life but I could tell sit here and tell you exactly what he was like because I've just heard so many stories about him and so trying to give those people like a life and making sure that their memory doesn't die is like something that I, I cherish a lot too um but I just like unique stories I just like interesting people I think that's the biggest kick of it all mm. and uh they tend to make the best songs <laughs> Man, so I heavily relate to everything you just kind of laid out, especially, mm-hmm. especially, especially the idea of through art and through through something like literature or music or whatever being connected to the past, being connected to yeah. heritage, you know, and that is like fundamental to this whole thing for me. If I don't have that feeling in what I'm doing, I've I've I actually tried in a project to sort of divorce myself from that feeling. But that seems to have always been and, and seems to still remain uh, one, of, one of the most important things to me as a musician. Yeah, and I think it's like um, you kind of have this reckoning when you get away from your hometown of kind of like what your hometown was, both the good and the bad side of it. But also just for me, like it's always just been about trying to like I said, give a voice to the people that haven't had a chance to tell their story. And going back to that song, like I think part of it too was I wanted, like that man died and they supposedly found a million dollars in the back of a car. And for me, I was like, this man lived his entire life pinching pennies and like finding any way around that he wouldn't have to pay money. Like what? And when he died, he just, he just left it in the back of a car. So like, what was, what was the point of it all? Like why, like what headspace yeah. was he in to be like, I have to save every bit of this 
for nothing essentially. And so, um, I think just that fine, like, like that unique voice and trying to figure out like, what were people thinking and how can I make this lyrical and like tell this dude's story without name dropping him? Like a lot of times I don't, I tend not to use like real names and stuff. Like I'll mm. switch names up. Um, but I, you know, I just find stuff like that crazy. And I'll, I'll give you another good example of it is like, I've known my aunt my entire life, my aunt Eva, wonderful lady, hairdresser back home in uh, in Mount Airy. Shout out, shout out Greenfront Salon. It's <laughs> uh, where I get my hair cut. And uh, my just, I was just sitting talking to my uncle one day and he told me, he was like, you know how your aunt first went to beauty school? And I was like, no, how? It's like, and these were his words. He's like, she showed up in a farm truck covered in shit. And I was like, man, the dichotomy of that, like going to beauty school and then showing up in this ugly old farm truck that's just been covered in mud and everything. And so I wrote a song off that and I wrote I about that. like their relationship too. And like, um, you know, some of it, it's not completely autobiographical. I kind of filled in the blanks a little bit, but that just that one phrase that he used with that just like set it off. And it's just cool too. to like, she's a very important person in my life. He's a very important person in my life. And being able to tell a little bit of their story to like the world is just beautiful to me. Absolutely. And I enjoy it so much. Yeah. It's like, well, you tell me, I mean, for, I know what I hear when I hear that. I wonder of these phrases that I might just throw out, whether you're a mirror, a time capsuler, a historian, a, 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 you know, detective or a reporter, like of those things, yeah. I wonder what you think you relate to the most. It's kind of more like a looking glass type thing. Okay. Like kind of giving people just a view of like this small rural area that like I grew up in. Because I, I mean, I did experience a lot of stuff as a kid that like I, looking back on, I can kind of be like, well, that was a very unique experience to me. Like I've got that song Family Funeral that I wrote years ago. And it was literally just about the experience of going home to a family funeral and being able to look back on it and like encapsulate it for what it was and it was that song is very much like to the t of what a southern family funeral feels like and it's it's very much like um just being able to give like this this view of this area which is a beautiful area and like has a lot of good things about it and a lot of good people and a lot of like interesting people too i think that's just like the main thing for me mm. so people it sounds like is a huge part of it is landscape yeah. a big part of it as well um, here, you know, it, it can be, um, I think here recently I've been kind of more focusing on like the Blue Ridge as a whole and like Appalachia too, mm. um, cause I am a very proud, like Appalachian raised son and, um, grew up right at the foot of the Blue Ridge and like would go there all the time as a kid. And so here, here recently, it's kind of reflected that more, I would say on the first stuff, like the imagery as a whole, um, I could tell you like the places I was thinking at and it may not directly like reference them, but um, sometimes I'll name drop them. Sometimes it's just painting that picture of like what I see. And actually our last record we put out um, when the well runs dry, the smokestacks on the front of it are the Reynolds smokestacks from mm. Winston. My grandpa worked for years uh, for RJR, just putting full in the cigarette packs. And so like, I've never done that or like I, I do have a connection to like Winston. It was where we would go like, you know, on a family trip and I knew I get to go to GameStop and Sabaro Pizza and Haynes Mall. But like <laughs> <laughs> but like other than that, like, um I don't know. I think I think some of that in imagery like leaks in just because it's what I know. 
um, really like nothing else. Like I don't write about big cities that I've lived in or anything like that. It's always back here. Um, and this like beautiful landscape, man, you're, you're, you're capturing something that I don't know how to put into words exactly, but there's something, there's something about the artist that takes their origin, their upbringing, their Mm -hmm. like where they're really from and makes that into what they create in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. And like originally I wasn't meaning to do that. Like when I first started out, like I was, I'll say it like just for the record straight, like that first EP that we put out, I was very much like into Turnpike and I was like, I'm going to make a band that sounds like Turnpike Troubadours. And by doing that and not even like realizing I was doing, I was still writing about this place and like writing about experiences that I'd had. And then the second record came along and I was very deep into like making a concept record about a small town and like where all these events happen like at the exact same time, but they're not, they're, mm. they're kind of connected, but the only connection is that they're in the same town. And so like, um, it, it's always like in the back of my head and I, and here recently I've been able to at least notice it and like kind of give it a little bit more life. Cause the stuff I'm writing now is, is solely based in like, um, like where I'm from and I'm like very, very like proud of that too. But like being able to just kind of give a little shot, uh, like spotlight on it, um, has always been super nice. And I'll, and like, you know, I like the songs. That's the main thing for me is like, if it's something I like, then <laughs> I would hope that other people would like it too. Yeah. So, and I think other people too, like no matter where they're from can associate with it. If it's, you know, Mount area is just a small town on the map but there's a lot of small towns on the map everywhere. And, uh, you know, being a little vague with stuff kind of helps, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love it, man. Uh, so you told me a little bit about your writing practice, how you write every, every day, every morning, if possible. And with coffee, uh, tell me, I'd like to know just a little bit more about what that looks like in terms of if you write on paper, on a screen, if you write with a pen, pencil, um, if I'm out and about, and I don't have a pen and paper because it, it will just happen like random moments, always on my phone, always in the notes app, probably likes over 600 notes mm. at one point. But um, most of the time, if I have my like preferred way, it is on the couch at home with a coffee table in front of me. Either um, I like the composition notebooks. I don't know why. I've always liked those. Um, and then the G2 Pilot Pen. It's like the ultimate pen for me. It's my favorite pen in the world. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm writing so much nicer with that. I have horrible handwriting, which is really, you know, that's only like my cross to bear because I'm the one reading it most of the time. But, um, yeah, just I have to have – if I don't have a G2 pen, it doesn't, like, bother me. Obviously, I'll use, like, a ballpoint. But if it's, like, my perfect scenario, it's a, it's just the typical black and white composition notebook and then a G2 pen, a cup of coffee. And that's mm-hmm. it. I like those composition notebooks. I find that for some reason they bring. Um, I love I love understanding different people's like journaling or notebooking practices and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I find that if I have like small leather books, like that's where I I use those more most often, and they kind of filter the most of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And composition notebooks in particular draw out of me like just the need to fill them up or something into right. like. Jot, like scribble all in them. Yeah, oh, I mean, I filled up at least 
four or five now, and I still have the first one I started out with, and I, that was what I originally bought from the student bookstore app was just a regular like hundred page composition notebook, mm. and still have that notebook, and like it's. Was it's, that the one that started it all? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that was the one that like I like bought it. Was like I'm gonna write songs and like just Damn. sat down and started and like I still have that notebook and still can. It's so funny. Like I'll sometimes I'll go back through old notebooks and I'll be like, that's the original copy of Family Funeral or that's the original copy of Old House and like just seeing those and like being able to go back and look at them is uh, is something I really enjoy because like. I think it's funny, like, I'll show people, like, songs I write now, and there's scribbles all over them, there's edits and stuff, and, like, trying to find the right word, and I have a very, like, it's a very jack method of how I'll, like, arrange things, like, I'll, I'll, if I want to move a verse, I'll just draw a line and put it somewhere else, so, like, in my brain, that means this verse is now down here, but mm-hmm. somebody else might look at that and be like, what the hell does this mean, <laughs> what are these hieroglyphics this man has put <laughs> everywhere, but, um, yeah, like they're just like special keepsakes that I, I plan like to keep forever. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know I do the same thing. Yeah, I think it's it's cool, man. Like getting back and even the ones that are incomplete, just like being able to look and see like what headspace you're in or what you were trying to say at a certain point, um, is is cool. It's neat. Have you found a pretty good method for utilizing the notes you make on your phone and bringing them into the other space, like where they're you know managed? Yeah, I mean most of the time. I, there are songs that I just finished completely on my on my notes app, and I've just got like a method of how I write them out, like verse, put in an inner space, and then write the chorus, and then put another verse. But a lot of times, what I'll do, I always make sure to make a voice recording, like have to, mm. no matter what it is, even if I don't have it all fleshed out, like have a voice recording, have something, some semblance of like what it's gonna sound like. And so um, if I'm not writing, like I'll take the stuff off the notes app and sometimes I'll transfer it to a notebook, but a lot of times I just get lazy with it. And I'm like, well, it's already on here, which as many times as I've broken a phone, <laughs> that like terror and anxiety and fear where you're like, oh my God, all my notes app and all my voice memos are on there. Like mm-hmm. I pray to God they can get it off this cracked iPhone 8 <laughs> and save it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, I mean, most of the time I just go back to the notebook. Like I try to, I'm, I'm doing a better job now of keeping one on me like pretty consistently and like being able to just, uh, cause I just like the writing more. Yeah. It's so therapeutic and just, you're able to zone out so much more. Whereas on your phone, you'll get notifications like left and right. And it takes you, if you, if you let it slip for one second, it's gone. Mm. That, that's like the, the belief I have. Mm. If it's, if it's, if you're taken out of that moment, like it's just going to flitter away. Mm. Yeah, man, I I haven't found a method for writing on the phone, which I think is because of some of the things you just said, like with notifications and the temptation to get distracted by other things, the way the phone mm-hmm. it works. And then uh, also just liking paper and, and being used to that. Well, I've, I've done it's it just forever. a good feeling to put like ink to page. Yeah. Like it just feels right. You can see it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, you know, phone, the phone is great for like, one-liners or like a chorus that I might come up with and be like, Oh, I'm going to get back to that later. (laughs) She had something to say about that. (laughs) She was like, I I prefer the iPhone method actually. (laughs) Yeah. She's being a little bad now. That's okay. We all are every now and then. (laughs) I know I am. Yeah. And not to mention accidentally deleting stuff. 
that oh, scares me. Worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Good thing there's like an undo button because I, there was one point in time where I accidentally deleted like some songs I really wanted to work on, and I freaked out for a solid minute until I found out that you could like there's a recently deleted folder and you can like bring stuff back. But that's also the positive about like the paper stuff is that the only way for it to be deleted is either thrown away, it burned. Because even if it gets wet, you can still kind of dry it out and know what yeah. you're saying. But, um, yeah, and I even find, too, like, really the songs that I when, I, when I know it's a song that I need to pursue more is when it's a song that I've tried to write and I find myself singing it away from the pages, like, just walking around, which sounds very, like, narcissistic and, like, you know, he's just going around humming his own tunes. But it is, like, if, if one, like, sticks with me long enough, I will find myself like singing it or singing the chorus and be like, okay, like this is one that needs to be like brought to life a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's just part of how it works, man. Yeah. And I've also noticed, um, or I don't know if you, I don't know if you relate to this or not, but for me too, another version of that is like, if I've got a progression that the same phrase keeps coming up mm-hmm. to my, like the front of my mind and I, I'm not committed to it yet. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know. I'm like humming, humming through it, and I keep saying something like, you know, in the field. I keep yeah. ending it with in the field. Then I, eventually I'm like, okay, then I guess that's what it is. Yeah, a lot of times for me it'll just be like I'll have I'll come up, I'll have this progression that pops in my head, and then either that or it'll be a line that I'll just think of real quick, and I'll if I say it enough to myself or like if I hum it enough to myself, if it's if it's a chord progression or like a melody or something if I sing it enough to myself or hum it along or try and like pick it out eventually something tends to come with that but if it's like a just a verse or something that were a line I've thought of it's a little bit harder to try and expunge on that but like eventually if you just sit and stare at it long enough (laughs) it feels like it'll finally click or a lot of times I always tell people to like look at it try and work on it if it doesn't work go do something else and then mm-hmm. come back to it. Most of the time when you come back to it, something will come of it. Yep. Um, that's like a, a big learning step. Cause you know, you sit there and you're like, why can't I just write this entire symphony in this one song and this one sitting? Why do I, why do I feel so stuck in it? And you're just like, Oh my God, like I'm a songwriter. I should be able to do this in one fatal like swoop. Mm-hmm. Like it should just be done and ready. But being able to like step away from it and come back is one of the best tools you can have. Yeah, you got to, man. You yeah, got to. absolutely. Uh, speaking of stepping away from it, do you do you have other creative outlets aside from songwriting? Um, not. I mean, besides like reading, that would be the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, but not not too much. Um, I doodle every now and then, and I've kind of like let myself get back into that more. But really, if I'm if I'm not songwriting like in a creative way, like. Uh, fishing is like my other thing that I tend to go to to like that's my other like safe like relaxing space mm. where I can go and be by myself for three to four hours or smoking meats too and I know that's like the typical thing for anybody my age that like reaches their <laughs> they're like 25 26 and they're like I'm either gonna become a big history nerd or I'm gonna learn how to barbecue <laughs> but <laughs> um, those two things like they're not necessarily creative but they're ways for me to get away from all the noise of stuff and still have that feeling of like the small world that I enjoy so much when I get into my writing. Um, but yeah, not a painter, yeah. um, was terrible in art class 
growing up. So like I'm a horrible like artist and like drawer, like much better at just mm. <laughs> throwing a rod, I guess. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, I think that the family of cuisine and the family of ant, like hunting and fishing definitely still sort of creative or at least when we think of past times, you know, when we think mm-hmm. of how people lived 8,000 years ago, uh, you know, music was a part of that and hunting and cooking was a part of that. Yeah. And then maybe a handful of other things straight up. And like, I think for me, me too, like I get so bogged down with everything that like the, the typical things in life, like, you know, your bills getting paid on time, you know, making sure you're working enough, um, you know, making sure everybody around you is taken care of that being able to find those like solitude hours where it's just me, I'm not, I try not to think about anything else. All I'm worried about is, did I throw this spinnerbait in a bad spot? Is it going to get snagged on something? Or like, there might be a fish over here in this little uh, eddy. Like there might be, I I think there might be a bass there. I don't know. I'm going to try it at least. Like being able to just worry about that and have this blank space in your head really starts to let things like, come in and fill that space i've always said the most powerful songwriting tool is just being bored Mm -hmm. like when i'm just bored and not constantly putting a screen in front of my face or anything like that is when i start just making up stuff to entertain myself Um, that's probably why they come a lot in the shower because i don't you know i don't really have anything (laughs) anything to do but just wash my hair yeah and i'll just sit along and and plus you sound great in the shower when you're singing and stuff (laughs) it always helps out but um yeah yeah Yeah, man absolutely i i uh, I've mentioned before, I think I reflect on the fact that when I was working more uh, laborious jobs that I would come home and sort of seek out an escape from, I think, the monotony of that job. And yeah. like I was building houses for a while right. and I was just writing songs like crazy. When Friday came around, I'd be off on Fridays or whatever. I would just, uh, it was a very musical time. And when I have jobs that are more sitting still and like doing stuff on the computer or whatever, I just, I find that my mind goes into this. There's not a, there's not a clear distinction between working and not working. Right. Whereas with those harder jobs, you know, you know, when you're working, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, when you're doing something that is like requiring your whole body. Uh, Whereas when you're, when I'm like editing videos, for example, it's just like, my body doesn't know the difference. Yeah, and I think too, like, I, so I worked in a factory for a little while at Moog Music. Um, it was kind of like my one of my first jobs out of college, and there I would find that I would not, um, I would like a lot of times, like I would just be at this one station by myself, and there was so much noise and stuff happening on around me that I couldn't think clearly, and so it had kind of inhibited that like ability to try and think of stuff. Hmm. And so just being able to come back and be like things be quiet and in that like quiet space, being able to put something else out there, like it just gives you the chance to be musical and be creative too. I think that's a massive thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And even like, you know, nowadays when I come home from a job, I find that like it'll drain just the creativity just from being tired. And like you come home, you've worked all day, you don't want to do anything else, but just sit on the on the couch and watching baseball. And that's literally like a lot of days, that's what I'll do. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still trying to find that time where I can have those like peaceful moments to myself is like a major key and like a major thing to, to really focus on for myself. And does, do you, I, I didn't ask this before. Did you, do you play any other instruments? Not well. Uh, <laughs> you mess with them a little bit. Yeah. I, I had a great guitar teacher growing up named Jim Vipperman. 
um, who's a local like legend in like fiddle and banjo. And so, and guitar too. Like he's just like one of those bluegrass musicians that plays everything. And so I would go and take lessons from him. I never took lessons serious. I never took practice serious. Um, I did win uh, second place at the Mattery Fiddlers Convention for youth guitar growing up. So, nice. Yeah, I mean, not to flex or anything, but pretty major <laughs> flex. Um, but it was always nice. I would come in, and, like, if I had guitar lessons, I would be like, Vip, is it okay if I pick up a banjo today and do a banjo lesson? And he'd be like, yeah, sure, why not? Mm. So picked up a little bit of banjo stuff, um, learned fiddle for a little while. But I would say like the, the main instrument that I focus on is guitar. And I've had to pick bass up too for like gigs and stuff, but that, you know, is not much different than playing the guitar in itself. Um, but yeah, I've I really didn't I didn't practice at all when I was a kid. Mm. I didn't feel the need to. I felt like once I learned chords, I was like, This is it. Like you're playing guitar now. And so, um here recently, like trying to come at least learn some more technical stuff, especially like finger picking things and like just being a better I know I'm not going to be a great lead blader. Like, I just don't feel like I have that knack and maybe that ear for it. I probably could if I really worked hard at it. But just being able to be sure, like, I'm a very good, like, rhythm player and that I'm, I'm like, focusing on that has been, like, a major thing for me recently. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like that is an understandable thing and what I see a lot of the time. Like, dudes who are drawn to lead um, – Often that's more important to them than, like, say, lyric writing. Yeah. You know. Well, also, too, like, I just don't I don't find a need for it because I have all these great players around me. Like, what what more can I bring to it? You know, these guys have their own style and their own voice that they're putting through their instrument. Like, I put my voice and my style through my lyrics or kind of through my playing, too. Like, it's a little unique, but, um, you know, there's just not – I just don't find a – it doesn't I want to be a lead player trust me like I want to rip guitar like it would be so sick like you know Mm. get done with the middle verse and then just go ham on something but I also know like that's just not it's just not me like it's just not what I want to do really um it would be cool but I think I'd just rather be a a considered a good rhythm player somebody can actually keep time do chord changes well and like like not mess up most time i'm just trying to stay out of everybody else's way with my playing (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that no not at all so let me ask you this i'm i'm a little older than you and i don't know if this is like and we're we're not drastically different generations i don't think but i'm wondering i don't know if there's a generational difference but i feel like a lot of the the artists that I, I'm pref- I'm prefacing the question a little wrong, uh, and maybe with too much detail, but I think that the question of goals and the relationship people have with goals mm-hmm. is something I'm a little curious about. And I do think that gener- generationally, the relationship with like big goals is a little different than like people my age group. Mm-hmm. I think my age group, everybody was like, "Oh, we're all trying to play the Opry and shit like that." And yeah. And anyway, I don't know what your goals are, but how do you know what your goals are? Do you have specific goals in mind? Starting out, I really did. And I had that same goal. Like I, when I first started, I was like, I'm going to take this thing all the way to the Ryman, Ryman or bust like that. And that's still the dream for me. Mm -hmm. Like if I got, I've always said, if I got to play the Ryman, you can put me in the ground the next day and I'll, we'll just call it that. Like that'll be it. Um, originally the goal the goal has kind of stayed the same 
throughout though. And sometimes I've put other goals in front of it, but the goal has always been get to a point where someone is singing your lyrics back to you. Mm. And that, and that like was just, that's all I ever wanted, like starting out. And it's really the only reason I started things, which might be a very, pretty like selfish, like goal, but I don't think it is. Um, but that has always been the main one. And then obviously when I was like younger and like trying to do exactly what American Aquarium was, I, the goal was like play as many shows as you can, like just do it, go yeah. out and play no matter where it is, no matter what it costs, like just go do it. Um, that's kind of adjusted a little bit here recently where it's more like, okay, I've done this for five years now. I've done it hard and I've played a lot of shows. Now it's time to be a little bit more selective about what you're playing and when you're playing. And still the goal is like, take this, ride this thing as far as it'll go. But, um, you know, I went through a time where I was playing so many shows that I kind of lost the joy in it. And here recently I've been able to take a step back at least look at everything I've done as a whole. Cause it really was just started as some kid who was 19 years old, who did not know anything that he was doing. He had like, you know, I had some references from what my brother did and uh, you know, some guidance. I, I did get a degree in music industry studies. And so like, I, I didn't know the business side of it, but you know, um, <laughs> being able, being able to like step back and look at everything and be like, you have, you have done a lot more than you ever thought you would mm. or, and even still, like if I could go back and tell myself like, Hey, you got to play a festival in Kentucky or you got to go up and, and drive into Kentucky. If I would have told my younger self that when I was 19 or 20, he'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, honestly, like, yeah, <laughs> I, you should have done that two or three years earlier. Like, why didn't you think of that? Um, but now just being able to look at it and be like, that is something that is really cool. And, you know, I got to play Merle Fest a year or two ago, um, which was like an, an ultimate goal for a long time. Um, and just being able to kind of adjust that your goals to where now it is literally just, I'm focused on writing good songs. I'm focused on playing good shows. Um, you know, I want to make good records. Um, and that's really about it. Like I'm, I'm very proud of all the things that I've done and I'm realizing that like not a lot of people have got to do it as much as I have. And also like, I'm just very blessed to be like in the position that I am mm. like still a very young career. Um, would love to make an actual like full-time career out of it. That's, that's like, I guess one of the biggest goals now is like get to the point where this is self-sustaining, but also not getting sucked in that trap of like, this has to be a money maker because I think when you do that, that's when the joy of it really gets sucked out yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, the goal now is just to, to be, no one is like a good songwriter and that's it. Like I've done so much stuff that if it all ended tomorrow, I would be pretty satisfied with it. That's a lie. I tell myself a lot of times, like I know, like <laughs> I, would, I would be like, man, I should have toured a whole lot more, but, um, no, nah. it's, it's a really hard balance. It is. Like, I'm, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just blabbering. No, you're, you're great. I and mean, that's what you're here for, man. But uh, <laughs> it is a hard balance because, on one hand, you think about, I don't know, being stoic and stuff, and you think it's like like when you hear quotes that are sort of like, um, you know, it's the man who doesn't think he has enough who's poor. It's But if you realize you have enough, then you're never wanting. 
And I yeah. hear that and I think, you know, yeah, like I, I shouldn't be too miserable over the condition of, I don't know, of, of, cause, cause I, I totally have that same stuff in common. Like I think about a full-time career and what it would, what it would mean to sort of be on the road all the time or whatever. And, uh, there's a part of me that sees that and thinks that that would be great to have, but then there's, there's a, there's, so that's the ambitious side of me that thinks, yes, the world is yours. Like you should take it all and be the best and all this stuff. But then there's that other side that's like, maybe you should enjoy the simple life. Maybe you should enjoy the things that you have and appreciate the opportunities that you have had. And and yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with like wanting more. Like, obviously like I want to get to a point where people are buying more tickets and coming out to like, am I having bigger and bigger shows? Um, but also just being able to reflect on like where things started. Cause when it first started out, it really was like, I remember playing shows to nobody. I can remember all the bad gigs I played, you know, where they've been four hour sets or three hour sets for like 400, $500. Like I, like I, I keep it like, I have a pretty solid memory of all of those. Um, but also just having like the little victories in between of like, you know, when I first started out, I thought a show at Boone Saloon was like the biggest thing in the world. Like yep. when I when we got our first show at Boone Saloon, I was like over the moon, and like texting the boys and being like, "We we're on at Boone Saloon in a month. Like, can you guys believe it?" And now that's just like a regular spot to me. Mm-hmm. But there's other things I'm I'm like reaching for, and now it's much more about just focusing on what my musical identity is and staying true to that, and. Like I said, just focusing on making good music. That's that's the only thing that matters to me now is just making sure that the music is good and what I want it to be. Um, yeah, I and, think that's mature. Well, yeah, and like you know, where when you first start out, you're thinking like, oh, two or three years, like I'll be I'll be on festivals headlining. Yeah, and that's just not the way it shakes out for a lot of people. Um, it, it, for the majority, like it is a grind. It is like something you put yourself through. There is so much disappointment that comes with it. It is the business of learning how to accept being told no. Um, and there is like the, the like I, for a while I would compare myself to other people that were my age or that were doing the same thing and be like, man, like why am I not doing that same stuff? Or like, why do I not get that same opportunity? And now like, it's like everybody's doing the exact same thing. You can only get what you get. Yeah. And what you get, you should be thankful for. Like coming to it now, I, I have such more of an appreciation for everything that I do realize. I say to myself all the time, like, you get to do something that a lot of people want to do, but never have the opportunity to. And you have the opportunity to. And it, you've taken the steps, you've done the work. And, that, and you know, people don't want to think it's, a, people don't see all the work that goes behind it, but it has been a ton of work that was only motivated by myself. There was no other motivation behind it other than I just wanted to do this thing. And um, just being able to realize that and be like, you can be proud of the things that you've done and you still have a lot more down the road. But if you know, if you don't and things are done, then like you can say you did a whole lot more than other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something to hang your hat on. Definitely. At the end of the day. Absolutely. And there's, there's a the part of the maturity I think of that also is recognizing what you have control over and like yeah you don't have control over all the other outside circumstances nor you know who's doing what who's succeeding at what and resenting other people's success is such a bad path to start going down too you know that's when you really just start to get out of it and start to get so bitter about things mm-hmm. and also just realizing like you can't force anybody to want to listen to your band 
you can't force a venue to book your band. Like if they say no, like it's just, it is what it is. You move on to the next one. Um, and just, you know, for a moment when you're first starting out, you think that everybody in the world's going to listen to your stuff. It's just not, not the case. Like, uh, being able to accept that there's some people out there that are not going to like your music and that is totally okay. But yep. There are going to be some people out there that do like your music. Um, no matter what it is, if you're playing, you know, country Americana, if you're playing death metal core music, if you're playing, um, you know, polka music, like there's an audience out there for it. You just have to be able to put yourself out there to find that audience, however big or small it is. Another thing about that, uh, what you were hinting on throughout some of that too, is the money making aspect is like, of course it's fun. The idea of, of this being a, a prosperous thing, but something that's worth remembering is like the biggest, the biggest stars, the biggest names in music across the board, not even just our family of music, not, mm-hmm. not just songwriters and shit, but people in pop, people in all aspects of music end up having to do like deals or entrepreneurial ventures. Yeah. And, not I shouldn't say having to because it's not a it's not a bad thing like but in a lot of ways like it's the only way to sustain it sometimes yeah it's a sometimes it's a much better way to sustain it I mean you think about somebody like Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. who started this like all green you know uh, golf course or some shit like that mm-hmm. is he he's probably what well, he's probably pushing he's got to be pushing forty five or so I don't know how old the right. dude is but it is wise on his part probably to invest his fortune into a business that can make him more money rather than thinking that he should just play Vegas until he's 70 years old. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the money making aspect of it within the last two years became like such a big thing. Cause I was like, I'm going to do this full time. Like I'm just going to sustain myself on this. And that's a tough thing to do. And really the only way to do it is if you're going out and playing these three hour shows where you're making, a hundred bucks a man or 200 bucks a man, whatever it may be. And you have to do that pretty consistently. And if you do that enough, it burns you out. Yeah. And so, you know, trying to reflect and think about when I first started doing it, like the money did not matter to me at all. And now the money does not really matter to me that much. Like I know in myself, like if I need money or need to go get money, I can go and work a job and do it enough to like live off of. But, um, you know, I think as things progress, it would be nice to get to a point where like this is feeding back more into it uh, than I'm like actually putting in. But mm-hmm. that I understand that like what kind of comes with that, um, and that it it can be something that sustains you forever, and it can be your entire career. But there is going to have to be something outside of it that you also have to do too, um, because it probably won't be all the time depending on the level you get to some guys can do it all the time and it be it but even some of those guys are still that are out on the road like they're still working jobs when they come back home or yep they're putting their, their time into other things too um yeah i mean some of those guys some of the biggest songwriters that we've ever had mm-hmm. uh were still had a had a serious significant dip right in the middle of their life to yeah. where they went from being the young guy in nashville to then being like kind of a nobody as far as whatever, as far as audiences might have been concerned at the time, to then having a, a different, to hit, then ha- reaching a new stride in the later part. And I feel like part of what you're hinting at, or part of part of the point of what you're saying, is also, you know, when you're building a when you're building a brand around your name as a songwriter, I think it's a long game. Yeah, like, it's not. Yeah, it's it's 
years and years of like putting in the same repetition of just getting in front of the same people over and over again and hoping that grows into something exactly. and like making sure you keep that consistent brand too. So um, even if you got to do shit right now yeah. on the side, it's like you're still investing in your brand. It's just like a long, it's a long building process for that brand. And you don't, and I think the biggest thing for me when I first started out was I wanted to see those results so quickly. Like I wanted that instant gratification of knowing that people were listening. And I did know like uh, you could see your Spotify numbers and stuff, but like here recently there's been so many more like affirming moments that I've had where I've been like, okay, like I'm not, crazy like i'm not insane to think that this is something that people connect to like there's there's hard evidence to show that and i've seen it firsthand so um i think coming to that realization that like this is not just something you can do in a year and it be sustainable like you have to keep constantly building and constantly learning like i've learned so much stuff within these last five years that i've run everything completely different than when i first started out and like I'm still learning new stuff, learned new stuff on this last record process, like learned so much stuff about it. Um, and just being open to doing that is like a massive thing and it will be a long game. You know, yeah. I think I've heard people say it's like a 10 year, five year game. Um, and I think just being able to accept whatever comes from it, like it could get to a point where it totally sustains itself. I'm willing to put in the work for that. Um, I've always been willing to do that work, but you know, if it doesn't get to that point and it's still just something where I'm playing the Southeast pretty consistently, like I'm okay with that. Like Southeast I'm not, is great. Yeah. And like Southeast is great. Like I would love to get out on the road, like more towards the West and stuff like that. But those things will come with time. And really like the main focus of all of it just has to be that you're making good music. Like that's, that's it. Like that's the main point. If you're doing that, then you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Well, so what can people Look look <laughs> forward to what can people look forward to concerning your uh your upcoming stuff like what 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 it and maybe you can talk about just i don't know maybe you can just illuminate a little bit about what you have on the horizon as um, far as output yeah, so I've got seven songs that I've kept in my pocket with these recordings for probably about three years, and there's been different reasons why that's happened. you know we went through a pandemic, we cut it in two different sessions um down in this place called Blairsville, Georgia, but it's been such a great step away from this college band um, that was very fresh and new with their writing to like a more, it, this record was written over years and this record has been like worked on over years and it's it definitely a new, new like looking for new uh, voices and like sonic exploration to get into like it's not just going to be straight up country or straight up rock each time um a lot of a lot of different inspiration came from this record not just like country music a lot of like indie music um really got in this band called pine grove for a while that i've just thought was incredible um which just how they use their harmonies like how dynamics are used and stuff and really the whole record was written around like memories. Like that was something I was really trying to capture was this idea of memories. And like we talked about earlier, like these people that you know, that you don't really never met, but you know them still. Um, and so kind of focusing on that came these like seven songs that tell some of them tell stories that are personal mine. Like there's a song on there called too damn high. That's literally written about a drunk night that I had in Boone. Um, and it's, it's going to be a mixture of a lot of different stuff, but it was a definitive step away from 
we're doing this in the college studio at App State, which is still a great studio, but we're in an actual professional space. Um, it's still the same, like, it's the same kind of feel, but it's it just it sonically sounds so much different and so much. Uh, there's a harder word to like put for it. It's a little bit like gentler. Um, there's not as many like hard like there's not a song on there called "Ain't That a Bitch," which mm. there was on the first record. Like it's 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 um, it still rocks a little bit, but not as much. It's got a little bit more twang to it, which I'm really excited about. And like that's been a big step for me too recently is getting more back into that twang and that mm. roots type thing. Um, which even now, like, you know, the stuff that I'm writing now is going to be even more steeped in that. And I'm really excited. You know, I always say when I get near the end of that record process, you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. Um, even though I'm just as excited for this one that's getting ready to come out. And it, in really, like, I think production-wise, I think writing-wise, like, it is a massive step from where the last one was. Like, just feels so much more like a full-on professional whatever you want to call that, or like a, just a, a full record. And even though it's only seven songs, um, mm. which, you know, give or take, you don't have to have a 30 song record every time you put one out, but I think seven's a good number. Hell yeah. I, based on just everything you've told me about your perspective on songwriting and stuff, I, I really genuinely can't wait to hear it. Um, it's going to be dope. Um, you know, a lot of the songs that I wrote when I was back home on the farm during the pandemic, um, some of them I wrote in my new spot in Asheville. I live in this trailer. Like one song was literally inspired by the word linoleum, um, which is always just funny to me. But um, it's just been a it's been a great time for me to like find a little bit more of my voice instead of trying to focus so much on sounding like American Aquarium or sounding like Turnpike or trying to be the next Isbul. Mm. Like just trying to make a record that I thought sounded like me and where I come from. And there's still some like exciting stuff on it. Like we put, there's some synthesizer in one of them that's like sounds like a pedal steel. Like we did some weird stuff with it, but at its heart, it's like mostly just country music, um, which it's cool and i i enjoy listening to it like i've gone back and i've played these songs for so long now like they're just kind of ingrained in me but um i think they're really good songs like i really do believe that i would put my stamp on it man you uh yeah that was something that we didn't really touch on too much earlier talking about sort of the imprint that takes place with admiring other artists you know there is a shift i think that takes place where you start to become yourself and that's kind of where you stop mimicking the people yeah. who inspired you. Uh, that's like, that's something I've really only come into within the last, you know, two years is just being able to be like, okay, what does a Jack Marion record like actually sound like? What is a Jack Marion song actually? And finding that voice and like what, and for a long time too, like just being more comfortable with my singing voice, like, I always wanted to go up in like a higher range, like Isbel and like be like yelling and shouting or whatever. And that's just not what really fits into what I sound like. Mm -hmm. And now it's much more trying to get back into like that Randy Travis type vocal style or like, you know, Keith Whitley and kind of being yeah. okay with being like a baritone and a bass and like, you know, like and enjoying it. And like, I think it, it feels so much more natural in this next one. It doesn't, nothing, nothing on it really feels forced. Like it feels so much just like, this is what it is. And it, and it really is like, there's a song on there that's singer songwriter. There's a song that's a little bit more indie. There's a song that's, um, there's a couple songs that are like st stupid country song, not <laughs> stupid, but they're like very country songs. Like yeah. you can tell, um, 
it's it's kind of all over the map but that's just kind of how i am too and like i think i'll always make music that's at least riding the line of like country music and rock music and something in between you know um we call ourselves alt country uh just because all my favorite bands that's what they call themselves i mean that whiskey town record that first one was massive like imprint on me trace is like one of my favorite records ever but also just like a huge springsteen guy and like that big sound and like the the massive toms and all that stuff just gets me excited mm. and that's the kind of stuff i want to make um you know kind of riding the same line of those well dude uh god i feel like i could talk to you for another hour and i <laughs> you're hungry uh, you got a show tonight that we I don't do. want to push we're, you back for. You're fine. Yeah, so. we got to be there at 4:30, but we are. Uh, I did promise the boys some mountain fried chicken. Okay, so I think we're gonna we're gonna try and sweep over there. Yeah, well, we better we better go ahead and free you up so you can you can find that chicken. Um, I, like I say, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you a lot longer, and I hope that I'll get an opportunity to do that. Yeah, uh, whether here or whether in in your neck of the woods or just Anytime, on the road man. somewhere we need to um i'd love to keep the conversation going because yeah, I, I really appreciate everything that you have kind of identified that you're all about as an artist i, I relate to it 100 percent, and Thank so you, i man. look forward to seeing what you create in the future uh it's and me too <laughs> but yeah um i think now i'm just more excited to just kind of hold on and be along for the ride and see what like i keep saying like see what comes of it it'll uh it'll be a fun one at least <laughs> hell yes has been. but yeah i really appreciate you having me on and um you know there's not a whole lot of podcasts that'll have us out so it's just good to sit down and talk to someone about writing and um i think you're doing a good thing here with giving a lot of voice to a lot of artists that need it so. i i appreciate you saying that i mean this is this is about our community kind of exactly what you were saying like Rep, like this idea of representing North Carolina, this is a space about North Carolina musicians, especially creatives mm -hmm. of all kinds, but especially songwriters being able to uh, to relate to each other and mm -hmm. to like be able to put themselves out there to the community and yeah. uh, and and let people discover them. You know, people don't realize how good we got it in our backyard, but there are so many good artists that are just right here in the middle of North Carolina that like I can't recommend enough going out to a local venue and spending only like seven or ten dollars to hear someone that you might not know but by the end of the night you'll probably walk out and be a pretty big fan of like mm -hmm. it's it's imperative that we like drive people to try and do that because there are so many good artists in this state that are doing so many incredible projects like it would be a shame to just let them not be heard so i, I really appreciate what you're doing here it's it's pretty incredible well thank you sincerely i appreciate that well, cool. Um, I think it's time for some chicken. I, th I agree. I agree. <laughs> Shout out Mountain Fried Chicken in Winston-Salem. Two locations, one on University. I don't know where the other one is, but uh, it's not greasy. Akron Drive. Akron Drive, yeah. <laughs> yep. Akron Drive and University. It's not greasy, and they got some good hot sauce. Sponsored they, by Mountain Fried Chicken. They do have good hot sauce. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you, brother. That was a lot of fun. People sleep on